This, this is Podflix, episode 171. I'm Paul. I'm Nish. Nish. I'm Willie. I'm Willie. <laughs> uh, and as I said, two weeks ago, as you're recording this, because last week's episode was posted late. Why was it posted late, gentlemen? Yes, let me tell you a tale. Let me tell you a tale. I got my uh, second COVID vaccine last week. And uh, initially, smoked? I thought I was smart and booked it and I was getting my vaccines on a Friday. And I said, well, if I feel like crap, I'll feel like crap during the weekend and I won't miss any work. And then I sure. realized I signed myself up to feel like crap on my own time and not on company time, which did seem like a bad idea in retrospect. However, that's the way the cookie crumbled. I got my vaccine shot around noon on Friday and started feeling weird around five uh, on Friday and felt really terrible by eight on Friday. I then proceeded to spend the next 48 hours in bed with uh, fevers, Ooh. chills, sweats, uh, puking. Um, puking. You know, yeah, puking, oh. um, sore throat, cough, muscle aches. I mean, you name it, I felt like death warmed over for two whole days. Um, and then, and did actually end up missing work because didn't feel great on Monday either. Um, and I See, think you, you could have missed Monday through Thursday if you played your cards right. I, I know this is this is this was my mistake. Um, <laughs> and I think what happened was, you know, my the, a cold was going around my daughter's elementary school mm. and uh, my daughter had it and must have clearly given it to me. I was fighting it, then got the vaccine and had the vaccine side effects and the cold on top of it. Um, so just felt really, really terrible um, for a good four or five days. No duty. It was it was not great, but I'm almost better. I still have a cough and I'm still stuffed up, but I feel fortunate. I, I just felt like I had a hangover, which is not an uncommon occurrence for me. Yeah. And I didn't feel anything. And then I got COVID. So <laughs> <laughs> for what it's worth, they do say um, the more violent the reaction you have, the um, it means your immune response is very good. Right. I mean, that's that's part of it. But but they also say, like, if you don't have much of a reaction, it doesn't necessarily mean that you didn't that nothing happened or anything like that. It's kind of hard to say. But I don't know. Based on our experience. What I know. Say? Based on our experience, it kind of checks out. But right. Yeah. Who well, knows? then I must have super antibodies for COVID right. because <laughs> I was totally wrecked. Ugh. Are you a super taster as well? I am a super taster as well. Mm. Interesting. It they say super tasters. I read an article today that say super tasters are, are are for some reason less likely to get COVID. Well, it's because if our taste buds get knocked down, we just go down to regular tasting. Is that, <laughs> is that what happens? <laughs> oh, this is what cookies to everybody else taste like. Right. They really, they really shouldn't call it super tasting because it makes it sound like it's a good thing to have, and I think in a lot of ways, it's a bad thing to have. Um, it, like, it feels reminiscent of like uh, that one Man of Steel scene that we actually liked, where like Clark's in the in the classroom and like can't like everything's like barraging him at once, and he goes in the closet. Wait, have, it, I, have, have I ever told you about the date I went on with the super taster? Uh, no. no. <laughs> I I think she was trying to impress me a little bit, and um, I ordered oysters because I like oysters. 
And she's like, I've never had oysters. And I'm like, okay, well, would you like some oysters? She's like, well, I'm kind of this, I'm a super taster. I'm like, well, I'm a super taster or whatever, right? Right. Yeah. She had an oyster and she threw up at the table. Oh, no. Wow. At the table? Yeah, at the table. Oh, God. I, I mean. Like, you, you, it really unnecessary. Like, yeah, it's all it's, around. Like, if you, if you know you have this issue. Yeah. It's, Paul, it's don't it's, have an oyster. Please. I, I won't. Yeah, it, it's not great because it, it accentuates different flavors to different degrees. Like bitterness, for instance, is the strongest thing that's accentuated. Um, so I have real strong problems eating things that are bitter. Um, hmm. Like, like that's why I don't like a lot of beer. It's just like brain breakingly bitter. I don't know how people can, can do it, but like, for, but sweet stuff, for instance, is less accentuated generally. Oh, so I don't so much have a problem with that because it's not as it's not as completely over the top. Um, believe me, I would I would give it up in a second if I could because I would love to enjoy a wider variety of foods than I currently do. Uh, yeah, but here it we seems are. Like, yeah, it seems like super taster is kind of a dumb name for it, and like hypersensitivity to taste seems like what like right is, exactly. is a much more reasonable like a thing that people would be like oh okay that sounds bad incredibly stupid follow-up paul Inc- uh, we're already in incredibly stupid follow-up territory <laughs> yeah. but god this week um as you know i'm lactose intolerant and i decided i want pizza and the pizza showed up i'm like yeah like i'm doing this <laughs> i'm not going anywhere tonight let's do this thing <laughs> exactly <laughs> children <laughs> keep your distance <laughs> sorry <laughs> i crushed a whole pie but oh um, my god well if i'm gonna do it i want to get so sick that i don't want yeah, yeah, to i guess so i guess so but in the in my eagerness to eat a whole pie and just be like well it's pizza night for once a year I burned the shit out of my mouth. Like it was oh, hot and I burned my roof of my mouth, my tongue. And for three days, I couldn't taste anything. Have you ever burned your inside of your mouth so bad? Super tasting goes from an 11 to like an eight. I've never burned. I've burned the roof of my mouth, but never like my tongue so badly that everything was just cooked. I was just like, I'm eating it. I don't care. <laughs> oh my God. God. That's your body telling you to stop and wait. Yeah. yeah. That seems terrible. No. I, I also really love that it's like it, it feels like the equivalent of like binge drinking, except it's like we're in our forties and it's like it's like I had this old pie, this old pizza pie. Right. It burned what, my tongue, but I kept going. <laughs> what in college we used to call Tuesday nights is now right. like right. <laughs> oh. now I want pizza. I haven't had pizza in a long yeah, time. Yeah, you do. Annual annual pie. But I, I'll admit. It's not an annual pie. It's an annual nine slices. A nine slice pizza? No. I eat one of my kids' slice after I eat my whole pie. <laughs> you ah, son of a bitch. Okay. So when you get your when you get this this special event pie, mm-hmm. what what toppings do you get on that pie? Yeah. Pepperoni. That's it. I Just don't pe- fuck with anything else. Okay. Je- and usually the last slice is whatever the kids have ordered. Yeah. It, and it's usually Halloween. And to I'm be- just they're gonna get sick on candy. And I'm gonna be farting from pizza. Yeah, you you have to go relatively straightforward, I think, if you're gonna eat a whole pie. What do you go for, Nish, on your pie? Um, I either just I either go pepperoni nowadays, or I go um, green peppers and onions. If I'm mm-hmm. if I'm just going veg, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's a solid combo. So um, I I stumbled on a, a a pizza technology years ago by mistake, 
Um, Hold up. Can you repeat those two words again? Yes, a pizza please. technology? Yeah. yeah. Uh, this is a, a pizza thought technology, um, <laughs> toppings-wise. When uh, we got, a, we got a, a, a pizza back when we lived in Brooklyn, and they got our order wrong, and it showed up with um, pepperoni and onions on it. Um, and it was amazing. Yeah, that sounds good. Since that day, we get pepperoni and onions on our pie. When you know the the few times we get we get pizza, it's so good. Like the yeah, I would I would totally do that. Yeah, yeah, that that it, that does sound pretty good. The two flavors complement each other very well. Hit me on Halloween. Let's see if I can get nine slices of pepperoni and onions down. We live in a <laughs> we live in a part of the country where like. Pizza's good. Yeah. And it's not like fucking cake. You can crush a whole pie. Right. That's true. Like, like was, it's thin. How was pizza down where you are, Nish? Nah. It's, it's, yeah. it's not like it's, it's kind of the same as everywhere else. Like it's not horrible, but there's not, you know, there are a couple places that are okay, but it's, it's not like, you know, where we grew so, up and, and where so, you guys are, where it's like you can kind of go anywhere and get like a, get at least a decent slice, right? Like, like at, at, at minimum, it's going to be like, yes, fine. And most of the time it's great. You, I would love for you guys to, I know this, um, because, um, when I worked in venture, we invested in a company that did home delivery of pizza for mom and pop shops. How much money a year do you think Domino's makes in delivery Domino's? I'm assuming that's your Domino's country there. Um, I mean, the it's the usual here. Yeah, yeah, it's like Domino's and Papa John's. I would say are like the big ones here. And there's Pizza Hut. You know. All right. How much money a year do you think Domino's delivers in pizza every year? Oh my uh, God. I would uh, say the revenue is two billion dollars. That's Papa John's, and they're at one. Actually, they're probably closer to one billion. Pizza Hut was two for a while. Papa John's was three. Domino's is number one. So <laughs> let's go. And they are objectively the worst of those three. Yeah, and and it seems like they're h- quite a bit higher than we are saying. Let's say I'm gonna I'm gonna say six billion. Twelve billion dollars a year. Wow. Oh my pizza. god! Holy crap! I I am surprised that they are number one. Stop I ordering mean, Domino's, yeah. people. It's awful. Well, they're not number one technically where mom and pop pizza shops actually will sell 40 to 50 billion a year in pizza. If they were like one company, you're saying. Yeah. But this is the one brand right. that has right. the best. Yeah, and I'm, I'm saying even out of the chains, I'm a little surprised. Like, I think I would have guessed like, maybe I would have guessed Papa John's. Like, I feel like I, I, I felt uh. like they had come up a lot. Like in the last I mean, this 20 was years. a while ago, four or five years ago. But at the time, Domino's was eight billion, and they've doubled right. up easily, or if sure. not doubled up, seventy five percent up. And at the uh, time, Pizza Hut was number two at a billion, and Papa John's was at eight hundred million. So Papa I'm John's kind of has come up; just they were a lot lower to begin with. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm kind of surprised Pizza Hut's still a going concern because I feel like. That's something that was more popular when we were kids. And I this feel was like, just delivery. But yeah. Pizza Hut, when we were a kid, was all about going to those weirdly shaped buildings. It was, yeah, yeah. I you love the pitcher the, like, root beer and the and the yeah the yeah. pitchers. Yeah, I, I, I like their the salad Lex. bar as lame as that is. I, I liked like, it when I when when I was a, a we kid. All like, went I remember to that. going. Yeah, Paul's girlfriend choked on water there. Oh yeah. <laughs> I still will order from Pizza Hut time to time and not order pizza. I will only order like a thing of breadsticks if I, if pizza. I can and like pick them up because I'll still eat those breadsticks. I like those. Pizza Hut to me is 
like its own thing. Like if if yes, I, I, I agree. It's, I it's, it's not pizza. I, I haven't like, had Pizza Hut in a long time, but my memory of it, of it is like if I want pizza, I want pizza. But sometimes you want Pizza Hut. Like if that's yeah. the specific thing you want, and it's 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 different. Yeah, it's cake with tomatoes and cheese. Yeah. It's it's how I feel about McDonald's. The few times that I ever want to get McDonald's, it's like it's not because I want a hamburger. If I want a hamburger, I'll go get like five guys yes. or whatever the fuck it is. But like, if I like, sometimes it's just like, no, I specifically want McDonald's. It's like it's its own thing. It's not really a hamburger. It just has its own taste. And for oh, whatever reason, I just like need to have it. I want that weird Big Mac with too much bread. And right, like, right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> when was the last time you guys ate McDonald's? It was. Um, not that long ago. I, I would say within the last two months, I, I had some. The last time, there was a little while there where we were doing some house hunting. And because it was COVID, we, while we were doing it, um, if we were out for lunch, we could only go to drive throughs and we would sit in the car and eat. Um, and sometimes we, we did that for like, I don't know, six or eight weekends in a row. And a couple of those times, it was McDonald's. Because it was like wintertime and, 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 you know, it was pandemic and like, where else are you going to eat, right? What what does your daughter get at McDonald's? Uh, she, on, she only ever sure, gets but what happy the, meal. The, the chicken nugget Happy Meal. Yeah, okay. That makes yeah. sense. My kids have never had McDonald's. I've, I've like, whenever it's gone, it's just been me. I've never gone with them or anything. But that is probably I what that. I would get them is the chicken nuggets. I, I will admit, we, this is terrible, but we, we do go to Burger King um, every two weeks because... Um, we have, we get the house cleaned every two weeks and that means get during out. COVID we're not yeah. in. So right. we're out in the, we, we work out in the garage, uh, but they're here from, um, 11 till one, which means we have to get lunch and there is a Burger King within walking distance of our house. So every other Thursday we get Burger King for lunch. Last time I had McDonald's Burger King, any fast food was 2006. Jesus. Wow. What do you do when you're on a road trip? Uh, Mexican. Really? Cudoba, um, oh, I hate Qdoba. One of those. I don't. Yeah, I, yeah, I, have, I, I don't really like. I get a huge fucking burrito. I have fast food. I'm Mexican not saying one is really better than the me. other. It's just. Yeah. It's just what you do. Yeah. Yeah. Or Panera. Yeah, we yeah. do. We do a fair Panera, amount of Paneras yeah. on the road. Panera is yeah. pretty solid. That's a that's a good one on the road. But again, that's there's no that's not a drive-through place. So, yeah, I don't do the. Dr- right. I mean, I can't even remember. I used to when I thought I was getting healthier. I upgraded from McDonald's or Burger King to Wendy's. <laughs> <laughs> it feels it feels healthier somehow. You could do that. The chili is not so bad there. Anyway, no, I just retired fast. I don't know. Do you consider is is Qdoba or? Um, What's the other fast Ch- burrito Chipotle. place? Chipotle. Is that is that fast food? So they call them fast casual. <laughs> they, right? Yeah, they classify them as fast casual, which I only know from a bim bam. But they classify it as as um, as fast casual, which I think means they don't want to say they're fast food because that has negative connotations. So they try to say we're this other thing. I feel like you know a wrap with meat and vegetables it's- is gotta be better for you than a big mac right it, i mean it, i mean I it, guess, is, it is undeniably a step up i would say in terms of quality of ingredients at least i have no all, idea about healthiness they're all just salt bombs like let's be they honest are. like that's yeah. no that's you're right you're no beef with i got no beef with the salt yeah 
I think it was, I think it was a real eye opener in... when I went to Chipotle in the city because they had to have the calorie counts on there. Yeah. And I was like, holy crap, like Chipotle oh, yeah. is not good for you. Jesus yeah. Christ. 2000 calorie burrito. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. 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 They have to have all that shit down here on menus too. So yeah, it's, it's fun going in and seeing like, oh, okay. All right. We watched a movie. <laughs> yeah, I did guess we? we did. Didn't we? We did. We watched a movie, and that movie was called The Taking of Pelham 123 from the original from 1974, uh, directed by Joseph Sargent, who I only point, bring up because he also directed Jaws the Revenge, uh, the other <laughs> notable movie he's directed. Um, hey, before you get into this, I, I was like, hey, guys, I'm fucking tired. I'm going to bed. And then you were like, we're watching this movie. Yep. Why'd y'all pick this? Um, we picked this movie because we, we had, we've picked a lot of recent movies, um, in the last few episodes and we wanted to pick something that was more classic and available on streaming. And I was just searching through HBO max and happened to see that oh, it was motherfucker. I didn't realize it was on HBO max. I paid for this on Amazon. Oh, uh, um, <laughs> that so that's why we picked it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it, and it felt like it for me anyway. I don't know, if, Nish, if you feel this way, but it felt like a very much a classic movie that I had never seen. Agreed. I like when when you suggested this, like like you like you were saying when Paul and I were talking about it, and you were like, "What about taking a film one two three? It was like, "Yes, like this is a movie that I feel like I should have seen because I've seen a lot of these kinds of movies and had not seen this one for whatever reason. It's it's always you know it's kind of what had been one of my sort of you know blind spots or whatever you want to call it. Do you know so, yeah. the connection, by the way, of Walter Matthau, who's one of the stars of this movie on Sussex County? The county mm-hmm. that we grew up in? Right. Yeah. No, I do not. Enlighten me. Uh, what was the local channel? Channel 8? Yes. It was like Sussex County TV? Yeah. The lead anchor was David Matthau, his son. Really? Yeah. Huh. I don't even remember there being a show. On <laughs> this the, fucker like, would wear a bow tie, and I was, and my dad always like, "That's Walter Matthau's son," and I was like, "Okay, who the fuck is that?" Because <laughs> I was eight. <laughs> but you should know because you have a history with this movie, right? You've seen this movie many times, Willie. Right, I've seen this movie two times before, and honestly, um, what I'll say is, um, I was excited to rewatch it, and as it started, I'm like, "Oh yeah, I don't remember how this movie ends." <laughs> that's good which is like an yeah. important part of the movie it's right. like i i have uh, i was excited to watch this movie through for multiple reasons one i didn't really remember how it ended and two um last time i had seen it was early 2000s okay i now live in the city that it was taking place and it was really like i was like oh cool like i'm excited to watch this through the lens of a new yorker now as opposed to like somebody that just knows of New York, right? And sure. I, I know these train stations. I, I've been in them a whole lot. So I was actually quite excited to watch it again. So we'll get into it. But Nish, why don't you give us the recap of this <laughs> sure. movie? Sure. As, as is your official sanctioned duty. Right. So so this, this movie came out in 1974. And it's supposed to take place in the present day. So it takes place in, in the 70s in, in New York City. And um, a group of four heavily armed men um, hijack a subway train, the titular Pelham 123. Uh, it's a six train in uh, going going downtown in Manhattan. And um, they uh, take they they basically hijack the first car of the train and then communicate with the transit and New York Transit Authority 
to um, demand $1 million in ransom in the next hour, or they will begin killing the hostages one per minute uh, in the train. And so the the movie is basically uh, cut between the uh, interactions of the hijackers, uh, the group of four men on the train, and the uh, police officers, detectives, uh, you know, uh, transit folks um, who are kind of trying to kind of figure out what to do and sort of communicating with the hijackers. Can we um, characterize what $1 million in 1974 relates to today? It's five and a half million dollars. Okay. Not, not, not a huge amount, actually. It was, it was less than I expected it to be. It's, it's five and a half million dollars or so. I, uh, I thought I was watching like, what is that? Right. Like hundred million? 20 right, million, right? 10 million. Like, and it, it, it's interesting you mentioned that because I mean, they make a deal out of the fact that it's like the city doesn't have a million dollars, which doesn't literally mean the city doesn't have a million dollars. They meant the city doesn't have a million dollars to give, you know, in terms of everything's budgeted somewhere else. But it is good to remember that New York like filed for bankruptcy, right? In the seventies, like New York was in trouble <laughs> throughout the 1970s. So, right. so, so I, I think it fits within that context that it's like, yeah, that's money that the city would have to think long and hard about. So that brings me to the first thing I wanted to talk about in this movie, which is what I consider the main character of this movie, which is 1970s New York. Yes. <laughs> um, That's fair. This this movie is very much of its time. This is, I mean, the first thing is like, this is like the quote unquote shitty New York, right? This is before, especially like the subway before it had like a big revitalization and, you know, it's infamous, the, the, the crime levels and, and everything and, how you know run down a lot of the public infrastructure was and um and this is that new york and not only that but um the i'm gonna say the supporting players in this movie like boy that's like central casting for a new york stereotype like these people are really next level i don't know what did you guys think i mean the next next level is it's interesting is every movie i've when was Koch mayor? Because I feel like He's everybody the, that right he was he was mayor in the eighties, I think. This is like which is so John weird. Lindsay it's territory. like it's like they they almost predicted Koch was going to be the mayor with this movie. Oh, with the with the guy who plays him. So you I, you, you know that was the, my takeaway is like every mayor is like a poor man's Ed Koch. Right, that guy who plays the mayor in this, and he is man, is he he is the most ineffectual mayor you will probably <laughs> ever see in a movie. Like it 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 is hilarious the way they paint him. Um, but he is also the guy who plays the mayor in Batman and who looks just like Ed Koch, you know, uh, I guess 15 years later, he is the same. It's the same guy. I had to, I thought he looked familiar. And then I looked him up. It's like, oh, yeah, he's the, he's the guy from Batman. By the way, fun fact is I live in New York now. I, I'm well aware of who Ed Koch is. I have no clue what Ed Koch did or did not do for New York City. <laughs> yeah, I don't really either. I, I, I felt like he was kind of a somewhat beloved like guy like maybe just because he was a character i think and like kind of fit new york and in, in, in a beloved certain way guy or beloved buffoon maybe beloved buffoon maybe I, i'm you know I'm, like you i don't actually know but like <laughs> i i remember getting the sense when i was a kid that it's like yeah like people kind of like chuckle at this guy and 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 you're right they might be chuckling at him but it was like it didn't feel like people hated him it was more that it's like oh you like ed Koch like such a New Yorker and such a like emblem of like what our city is for good and ill. Right. To, um, to answer your question, Paul, um, 
I, I am a big fan of pieces in general. As we know, when we rebooted this podcast a year ago, desperate for New York City content. Um, I love that slice of life of New York in the 70s, just to compare it to what I live in today. And like, there's been moments during the pandemic where it's gotten a little sketch and I'm like, oh yeah, yeah I've kind of seen this shit. Um, I think uh, if you've lived in any city or town or whatever, and there's a movie film there, you're going to have a little nostalgia for it. So I, I was, I was a big fan. It was definitely exaggerated. I, I think. I don't. I, I wasn't in New York City in 1974. I wasn't born in 1974. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, Gus, I don't Gus think says it was like an exaggerated version of what the city was, and and they wanted to show like, yo, this is what New Yorkers look like to the LA people, but. But yeah, I, I don't think everyone who lived in New York in the 70s was the I'm walking here guy right, because right. that's what every guy in this I got my rights. Go right. fuck yourself. But, yeah. it, but I do feel that like even besides that, there's just a lot of exterior shots of New York, like when the you know, when when the cops are out there and like all that kind of stuff. And it just has that look, just this decaying kind of like, ugh, like, look, yeah. like, like when you see it. And that I don't think is like like that's New York, like they shot it in New York. That was New York in the 70s. And it fits with other movies I've seen at the same time. Like Shaft looks the same way. Um, the French Connection, which I believe we watched for the show a long time ago. Um, same way. And they're like they've also both are in, you know, kind of the early to mid 70s. And I, I love it. I, I mean, I wouldn't not want to live in it. Like, I don't want to go back to mid 70s New York or anything. Mm -hmm. But I feel like it's it it evokes like a real something for me whenever I see that it's like, Oh, like this New York. And I feel so like me, it, it makes the rest of what happened fit a lot. Like it's like everything is so dysfunctional through the whole movie. And I feel like it all fits because it's like, Oh, it's like this falling apart 70s New York that we're talking about. Let me play some stuff for you. If it's helpful is that, um, so the six train runs along the East side. It's not the West. Um, that six train is still a goddamn dump. It has <laughs> not gotten any better. And um, some of the shots I really love was it was um, in particular the train stations they were talking about was um, between 28th and 23rd. It kind of stops there in that area. So they right. were in Madison Square Park, which is uh, you, we've all been there. Paul, I'm sure you've spent more time recently there than Nish. That area didn't look so shitty to me on the exterior shots. There was definitely some stuff, Paul, if you've noticed, that was way down at the bottom uh, of Manhattan. You hit the bottom of Manhattan, and then it hops over to Brooklyn. And the idea was the train was going to hit the bottom of Manhattan and then go over to Brooklyn and then the end of the line. And that's where they were going to take the ferry out of town, so to speak. Um, so there was a lot of shots down in like Tribeca and Wall Street area. I loved seeing what New York looked like in the 70s, especially down in Tribeca and Brooklyn, because Tribeca now is super fucking rich and Wall Street now is super rich. And back then it was kind of dumping. It was to me, it was like delightful to see yeah, that area that, that, like kind of shitty. And now it's really nice, you know, um, but the rest of that area kind of north of that was better. The six train is still yeah. garbage. It's always been garbage. It's not gotten any better. Uh, and I think Madison Square Park is, yeah. I don't know if it was junky before, but it's very nice now. Yeah, those, those are kind of the shots I was talking about. Because also, like, what I was thinking of is when they, uh, when the cops get the money 
from the Fed yeah. and have to they have to bring it uptown. They're they're downtown. They have to go yeah, up yeah. to twenty eighth. And uh, and those were where it looked really like crappy, like when they're like going and they're like, yeah, we're between like Bleecker and Astor Place and like like around there, basically, which looks well, a lot better now. Projects back then. Right. 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 Back then, they either like the East Village in that area was no they used, they used to call it Alphabet City. It was like the avenues. It was yeah. Avenue A, Avenue yeah, B. B. And it yeah. was like that that was the projects. And and in the last decade in particular, it's all like all the hipsters have moved in there and cleaned the shit out of that area. But I loved, I, I actually like really enjoyed seeing that kind of grit. I'm like, Oh yeah, yeah. This, this is what the real shit was like back yeah, then. Totally. Um, yeah. So, and, and you know, there's, it, it is, it, it is interesting. And it's also interesting, you know, to see, a young Walter Matthau in this movie who young um, quote unquote quote unquote <laughs> yeah you know, I mean I I I don't watch I haven't seen a lot of older older Walter Matthau movies uh, when he was when he was younger um, and it's he plays an I think he plays an interesting lead in this movie um, and the whole movie is kind of wild because it's like him on a radio talking to Robert Shaw right on the train. And but it's basically like him in a room, yeah. like this 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 whole movie talking on a talking on a you know a, a crazy like boom mic uh, PA system. Yeah, you know, just for record, he was fifty four when was, this movie. I was, came I was out. just gonna say the same thing. Like young Walter Matthau <laughs> was fifty four years old. He also grew up in the he grew up in the Lower East Side. Oh, that's cool. He grew up where a lot of this movie was filmed. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I didn't know that. So I do wonder if, like, you know, this is something they could have. I don't know. I feel like he could have filmed it in like two days, and then, you know, it gets to the end of the movie, and he's like, "All right, I'm going out there." And I'm like, "What? You're going out there?" Like, I was like, and and I turned to my wife, like, "I guess he's got to go have the finale of the movie. Like, he's got to leave his little his little room for one." Would you mind just um, extrapolating on what his part was and what his role in the because this is a little. Um, Watching it present day, you would figure that they would bring in the FBI or somebody of well, a little so what's weird about this, right? Yeah, and he's like, like it'd the, be good to extrapolate on what his job was, and he's he's a lieutenant in the transit police, and a, a large part of this movie hinges on the fact that the the train is taken hostage, and kind of no one believes them um, that that this is happening. Like like the the transit authority doesn't really believe them, um, and then you know, so they don't they don't like do anything right away. Right. They're just talking to this guy and they're just saying like, you know, ah, you know, both the stupid train, like you, you idiot, you know, that kind of a thing. Um, and he's like, we're going to shoot people here. And he's like, I'm going to shoot you. Like move the damn train. And like, you know, um, and then they finally do realize what's going on. And like a little bit of time has passed and they say, you know, they, they play, they basically the way they justify it is they say, you know, don't call, they call them the city cops. Don't call the city cops. They'll take over this whole thing. Like we'll just kind of handle this. And then, and they do eventually, um, but they kind of say like, all right, well, we'll just, we're just going to kind of do this thing. And it was kind of like, we're on our own and you know, no one is really going to help us. We just kind of need to deal with this. Um, and you're right, like in a way that totally would not happen, um, right now. Right. Could you imagine like the, the random like Lieutenant running like a hostage negotiation, right. um, like for the whole city, like that would be, that would be, that would be nuts, but he does, um, and and you get and you get the sense that like you know he is 
his part opens with him giving a tour to these Japanese uh, mass transit bigwigs. Um, and you get the sense that like he's inflating what he does and what his, um, what his officers do. That is kind of like, you know, they, they kind of like do their thing, but it's kind of like, a, it's kind of slow and there's not a lot going on. And then this, this thing happens and all of a sudden there's like, there's like a lot of action and he, and, I don't know. I thought that his performance in particular, like he's was interesting because he's, he handles like this incredibly stressful situation. He's very matter of fact about it, but for someone, this is something that they would never do today because he is very cool under pressure. They never go into his backstory. They never explained why it's never like, Oh, he's like, he's like this expert hostage negotiator who just wants a quiet life so he became a transit cop like later in life kind of thing like that's what they would do now right, right. but it's just like no explanation like he's just fine he can do this um kind of no explanation for anybody i, I don't I, know I, I found it so refreshing like one thing i, was, I know we're gonna like jump all over i'm gonna jump all over kind of saying this but like one thing that i noticed um, was that this movie like flew by for me? Like, like we we were it was at some point in the movie, and I was like, "How far are we in?" And I checked, and it was like it was like almost an hour into the movie, and it's like, "Wow!" Like that hour went by quickly. And I think some of it was that like there wasn't a whole lot of like, "Here's who this person is," and we get to know more about them. Like you don't really like there's like hints of conversations in among the hijackers that let you know like one little bit of information about them, more or less, and not even all of them, right? Like. And then, like, like you said, like, you know, nothing about like the the transit folks like you, they're just cops, you know, and I liked that in this case. I don't know that I'd like that for every movie, but I felt like it helped this movie move along very quickly to me. Yeah, they, they didn't feel the need to justify every character decision with. Right. I, I don't know who the character was. That was maybe he was like the head operator or whatever. But he didn't give a shit if if eighteen people got murdered or not. He was like, "It was going to get the fucking trains moving." It was I give hilarious. A fuck. Shoot them all. Yeah, like. it was hilarious. Like, there's a point about midway through where like Walter Matthau finally like takes him by like the collar and like basically says like, "Look here, like you stupid fuck, like get out of your chair and like pushes them down." And it was like, I'm amazed he lasted this long. <laughs> like, I'm amazed like it took until this point for Walter Matthau to do that. And that's kind of like the that's kind of like the that's what I felt like was the New Yorkiness of the movie. Like, like no one takes this seemed to take it very seriously that this thing was happening. Everyone's just like, "What are these dingbats doing?" Yeah, who gives a fuck? Right, and 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 then once they don't, I don't care. Kill eighteen people or give a million dollars. Right, whatever. We got rush hour. And and then like once they take it seriously, it's like it's much more exasperation than like that they're scared like even like like the mayor and like all those people are talking like there's this undercurrent of just like uh this fucking thing we got to deal with like what the fuck are we going to do with this like yes very much so um Um, question for you guys if you've never seen it though i'm sorry to hijack this paul um did it ever because we've seen a lot of movies with twists since the 70s did you ever feel like at any point because the mayor is sick and he's sneezing and coughing and the guy in the train is sick and sne- did you ever feel like there was like a cahoots thing going on because there's nothing with the mayor ever pays off he comes down and we don't ever see kind of what the fuck happens with the mayor other than he wants votes i i never thought that i mean i mean i i never i mean i don't look for twists for one thing when i watch movies um 
So so it's very rare that like if there is one that I spot it beforehand, unless the movie is telegraphing that there is going that it's like a twisty kind of movie or something like that. I mean, the one thing I'll say with this movie is that I didn't I, I didn't know whether it was going to end with the hijackers triumphant or whether they were all, you know, I figured somebody like they weren't all going to make it out. But were I didn't you rooting know for them, by the way. Were you guys rooting for the hijackers to get out? No, I wouldn't say I was. I would say I was rooting for Walter Matthau. But yeah, but, I but, but, but I would have been fine if they if they made it out. I wasn't like right. against them either. Well, I mean, they did the thing like they 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 crossed the line and killed some people. And right. like it, it, because the other thing that's interesting is yeah, and we can start we can talk about the gang, the bad guys, as it were, is they, you know, there is a like not politeness, but almost like a respect to this. It's just like, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of terrorizing, but they're not there to like terrorize the hostages or they like, they want them compliant and like, and like, you know, they will like, if like, there's that one guy who keeps asking him questions and like, they answer a fair amount of those questions. And, um, you know, there's the, there's Hector Elizondo, the loose cannon of, of the gang. Right. Um, he's, he's, he's the one going to, crazy guy who's gonna kind of his, sabotage yeah that it's hector alessandro it really right. but, is but otherwise like they're pretty they're fairly reasonable people which i feel like is also something you get in an older movie that you like you wouldn't get now like you know you have to clearly establish that these guys are bad or whatever um which they eventually do right like again they murder multiple people in this movie um and once that happens like i can't really root for them anymore too right um, and, and i also like that even in a modern movie, you, you might have like the group where like one of them is the loose cannon and like the the leader is like, I won't have it or whatever. But usually nowadays, the reason they won't have it is that it's like, I have a code I live by and like you're not, you know, it's like I said no body count, you know, like that, like that kind of thing. But right. you don't get the sense that Robert Shaw feels that way. It's more just that it's like you're not listening to me. Like, like it's like this is only going to go off if we do things according to schedule. And like you're fucking it up right now. It's not so much that like he killed someone. It's like it's or 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 or, or you know or, or whatever it was in that case, um, right? Yeah, which uh, yeah, I guess he does kill someone. He kills the like Cal Dolowitz or whatever the the most New York guy ever. The 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 station operator who goes down there is like I'm oh, gonna yeah. kill him like the whole time. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, yeah, well, th- yeah, uh, yeah. Mr. Gray kills that guy, and then right. And Robert then, Shaw, Mr. Blue kills the conductor. Kills, kills the conductor, right? Uh, who was? He didn't have two weeks left. Was, this was like his first two weeks or whatever, right? Um, yeah, his, the was, other way around. Like barely can not we, a trainee yeah. anymore. Can we dive into the names for a hot moment? I'm not clear why they used code names. Didn't none of them know who each other were except for the head guy? No, I I, I think they just did it because they fully expected the hostages to survive. Right. right, but when they got off the train and they were ready to exit onto the platform, and the one oh, you mean when cop, they when they use it, what like when it's just them? Why are they using their code names? Like when they're once they're off the train and they're getting rid of their disguises in the what, in the most slow methodical scene, like right. All right, gentlemen, take your fake mustaches off. Right now, in take order. your glasses in, off. In order, in, in order. <laughs> and, yeah. Um. No, I, that's probably for our benefit as much as anyone else's. Like, if if they just dropped the act and started using their real names, we'd be like, I don't know who that is. Like, you know, and it's and it's a relatively short time period. Like, it's fine to just be like, if they just like, I can imagine Robert Shaw's character being like, you know, from this moment on until 
such and such a point, like you only use code names and, you know, get in the habit of it. They could have totally got away with it if they just left that cop crawling around. I, I have no idea why they, why they like, like why they, why he went back and was like, I'm going to go kill this cop. It's like, but why you're, you're out? Like you're in the exit, like just go up the stairs. Like they, right. he can't get you. Like, right, I, right. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I guess he didn't know how mobile that cop was. Like that cop was like going to be 30 seconds behind him the whole time. Or well, but if, if he was, all their but, fucking but if he mustaches thought he was that shit, he'd never yeah. find him. Yeah. They're yeah. popping out in the middle of Tribeca. Right. So what did you guys think overall of, of the, the, the bad guys and their and their plan here? It was uh I I thought I mean I I thought their their plan was good. It was it w- it took a little bit to get used to the way this movie was set up because I feel like I have such a different expectation of heist movies from what has come like more recently. Like getting the sense that it was just like, oh, like this, like this plan is actually going to go off like pretty flawlessly. But at the same time, they're not the good. Like usually, usually the bad, if the hijackers plan is going off flawlessly, they're the people you're in, you're going to be rooting for. Like mm-hmm. a la Inside Man, which was a movie that like I did not realize how big a debt it owed to this movie in certain ways <clears throat> until oh, really? I watched it. Yeah. yeah. But like, but like with that movie, right? It's like, the plan goes off just the way they want it. And to an extent, that's because they're sort of the people you're kind of rooting for. or You're also rooting for Denzel Washington in that movie. But, you know, but in this case, you're definitely not. Like you said, Paul, like, especially once they kill somebody, it's kind of like, okay, like, you know, you're not going to be rooting for them now. Like, they're they're clearly bad guys. Um, So so it, like, took a little bit to get used to that. Um, I But I liked... I like them as a group. I mean, I it, it was also a little weird that like there are four of them and yet like it's really more or less the Robert Shaw show to some extent. I, I would say you, you get much more of him than the other three. And then Martin Balsam second, obviously, as as Mr. Green. And then, you know, the the other two, like, you know, Mr. Gray gets his couple moments and then Mr. Brown is kind of like the afterthought of of, of the four. Mr. Brown being Wilson from Home Improvement. <laughs> I, I I noticed I noticed in the end credits that he's even like billed separately. Yes. Like he's billed with the rest of the cast. Right, exactly. Like he's billed like in order of appearance. He's like the first one after the top four. Right. And he goes I mean, he goes down quick. Like he he, he doesn't say much and then gets killed right, right quick. Like it's like, what can you say about Mr. Brown? It's like he stutters. <laughs> like that's his like his one thing. Yeah. Um No, I, I thought I thought I mean, it, what's interesting about it is I am also not a person who tries to figure out movies, but I figured, I was like, oh, I know exactly how they're going to do this. Um, and sure enough, they did, which becomes like the, I feel like, I feel like the remake of this movie must go in a very different direction because it's like, you couldn't ask for enough money to make this worthwhile anymore that you could like fill up a coat and walk out um, and right. not look like watch, ridiculous. Did you guys see the the remake of this movie i've not no i I, after we watched this i did watch the preview for it because i was curious and the preview was so bad that i I said i I I never want to remember it well they broke up um walter matthau's character into two people i saw that like so one of them i assume is the john turturro character i i just looked on or or not even like and the other i think Travolta is the bad guy, and right. I can't remember who the. It's Denzel, right? It's Denzel, yeah. yeah. Denzel's 
Denzel, who they who is Garber, but they rename him Walter Garber for some reason. He hmm. just really likes being named Walter or something. I, I, I only looked at the Wikipedia page because I was interested to see like who played everybody in, in, in the different versions. And I noticed that there is a person who <laughs> didn't exist in this movie who is a hostage negotiator. And it's like, right, that makes sense because this is now a position that exists regularly that probably didn't really exist in, in the early 70s, at least as far as I know. Now you talk about you, you know we talked about like no explanation no backstories. The thing that turned me off watching the remake preview was like they're like are you sure you don't have a history with this guy and I was like nope I, I, <laughs> like I'm not doing one of these like everything is connected movies like you know it turns out this is all personal the whole time. Right. Um, cuz this is not that, right? This is a movie that is super not personal um at all. Um and and that's one of the things that's one of the things that I that I like about it. Yeah. Absolutely. That's um, how it's very much that. I, I, the one thing, um, you know, as we be, begin to come in for a landing on this movie a little bit, I do want to mention, I thought they telegraphed, like, you know, they had um, Mr. Green, the bad motorman or whatever. Um, and in, in what struck me as a very hilarious few scenes of when they have the original motorman and they're having a conversation back and forth. And I'm like, man, this 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 subway driver is like very cool under pressure because he has a gun pointed at him and he's having like a casual conversation with the other guy. Um, but the, but Mr. Green reveals a bunch of information about himself, and right. then they let the motorman go and escort the rest of the, the the non-hostage passengers away. And I'm like, oh, they're gonna reveal that information. They're gonna use it to track him down. Nope, that nothing ever comes of that. I thought, by the way, the whole time, and, and it was just. I'm usually really good. If I see somebody, I'll recognize him again. Maybe it was the mustache. I thought it was Polly from Rocky. Oh, oh, Martin Balsam, you're saying? <laughs> yeah. I could see that. They have kind of similar sort of oval, kind of like Ernie from Sesame Street shaped heads. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how I got that one wrong. Yeah. I mean, Martin Balsam's in a ton of stuff. He's, he's, uh, He's well, the foreman, you did, you, foreman of the you, jury in uh, Twelve Angry Men. I was, was going to say you did Twelve yeah. Angry Men forever ago, right? Ish, and I, I know you like that movie, yeah, and sure. Liked him in that movie, yeah. And he's also uh, what else? He's he's the detective in Psycho. Have you, yeah. have you seen that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, super famous. Yeah, and he's uh, he's one of the editors in All the President's Men, which is a couple of years after this movie. So there's yeah. a couple of things I, I wanted to ask you guys about while watching this is um. I don't have any basis behind this, but I, I believe this might have been one of the first heist movies. Aside from like fucking like Western bank robberies, it feels like one of the more quote unquote modern heist movies in the 70s. And did you guys put your finger on that or were you watching it from a more modern lens? I mean, I, I when you think of like original heist movies, I mean, The Sting is always the first thing that I think of. Yeah. Um, which came out the year before this. Right. And there's like older ones too. I mean, well, technically it's like, I, I guess it comes down to like, what do you consider a heist movie? Cause there's like, there are definitely movies about, like you said, like bank, like Bonnie and Clyde exists, but it's like not really a heist movie. I guess the heist isn't the point. There's like the it's, original oceans 11, which again, yeah. the heist maybe isn't quite the point of that. Would, but would we, even we a movie like, like heist double movies, we know yeah. this. Like, would even right? a movie like Double Indemnity be a heist movie? I'm not sure. Maybe, right. I, Maybe, I, I, right? Yeah, like, I, I'm not quite sure. I watched a movie for the show a long time ago, The Killing, which is an early Stanley Kubrick movie. Um, and that was, that was a heist movie where it's like a heist gone wrong. 
And I remember that very clearly, but that's a more, that's older. It's like late fifties. And that is kind of a more traditional heist movie where it's like the group gets together. There is a plan that is described of how it's going to go. This person's going to do this. This person go that. And then it kind of all goes to shit in like the middle of it. Yeah. I, Um, I, uh, to be honest, like I don't really consider this movie a heist movie because I think one of the important things in a heist movie is like, you're rooting for them to pull it off. Like I, huh. I don't think I, man, I maybe this is a controversial opinion, but I don't think you can have a heist movie where the point of the movie is to stop the heist. Um, like if you th- I'm thinking of things like, um, Oh, and what about the original like Italian job? Like there's sure. You know, yeah. Movies like that where you're, where you're rooting for the bad guys. And again, in this movie, I very much wasn't. Well, yeah. maybe that's part of the thing. Part of the charm of early heist movies is you're not rooting for the heist to go through. You're rooting for the cops. I don't know. I mean, thinking of those other movies we mentioned, you're mostly root, you are mostly rooting for the bad guys there, right? They're all in the same right. time frame. The the thing that I found really interesting about this movie actually was like 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 Paul said, I didn't think of it as a heist movie for exactly the reason that you said, Paul. But like the other kind of movie is like your this is not the archetype, but it's the one that's coming to mind. Like your Die Hard with the Vengeance kind of thing where it's like you, the bad guys are like the bad guys and you're with the good guys trying to like solve the puzzle and like get one step ahead. And the good guys don't do that in this. The good guys just listen to their demands and like do exactly what is said until the last like 20 minutes of the film. And even then there's no not some like overarching plan. It's just kind of like, oh, I think I know how they're going to do it now. And like, let's just go here and maybe we can intercept them. And like, that's kind of what happens. And they get some right. luck. There's no out. There's no outsmarting here. Right. right. Dumb follow up on on following that thread. Our 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 um, police officers, FBI people in the service, a little better at solving this stuff because of movies. You mean in real life? Well, yeah, because you watch what happens in this movie, and and I don't think it's safe to say that we movies mimic reality right but if they did in the 70s you listen to what the demands are and 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 agreed it with a verbal contract that oh and this is what you want and this is what we will do so we'll hide all of our cops and we'll do all the things that you're asking me for and follow all of your demands i mean i think in that sense this movie is realistic in that way in a way that like a heist movie isn't right like a heist movie is not a thing that happens in real life but like this sequence of events more or less like is probably how something like this would go down to a certain you think it happens because new york was so dysfunctional or because people were like for lack of a better term fucking gullible in the 70s no neither i I don't think i think it's a different kind of movie intentionally right Um, and but, I think I think it, it it was it was made. I think this movie was made to be realistic in so far as like movies can be, um, and I think that's that was the point. Like right. the point wasn't like look how smart the bad guys are, look how smart the cops are. Like I think this is a fairly realistic realistic thing where like these cops or these these bad guys take these people hostage. We they took them a, at their word though what they were trying to do, right? Right, and and so they they pay off the ransom, thinking like we just got to keep these people alive. They do that, and like probably my, I mean, I'm way out of my depth here, but probably what happens a lot is like th- these plans, like conspiracies, like they implode, and like people turn on each other, and shit goes sideways, and that's what happens here, right? 
Like they only catch one guy. Everybody else gets killed through, you know, either turning on each other or like the, the random hippie cop. Third right. Um, yeah, yeah. That too. Uh, that scene was the, my least favorite scene in the whole movie. I would agree. It, 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 it was not a, I mean, he was, you know, for, for like, he was kind of the mastermind of the whole plan and it was kind of like a meh way for him to go. Eh, fuck it. Yeah. A, a, yeah, yeah. A little bit. That that's the one part that probably could have benefited from him being like, you know, I don't want to spend my life in prison or something like that to just be like, it's a p- pretty fucking far leap to be like, I'm going to kill myself on the spot because I don't want to go to prison. Like that is, I like the line before. What about do you have the do you have the death penalty in this state? Yeah, and he says not currently. He made a decision, right? Can we um? I think it's important in 2021 to address the elephant in the room. Which I, <laughs> which, I can think of at least two. Yeah, which which one? Do you want to you you want to start with the misogyny? Yeah, that was a pretty big one throughout the, the film. I mean, it's it's played to be fair. It's played for laughs like like it. I know what it's played for. Right. But, but how do we feel about it today? Well, I think that I mean. The Hector Elizondo part, I mean, that person was, is revealed to be like a crazy killer guy. So yeah, that like, that part doesn't bother me as much. It's his, more his it's deviant more the, behavior. Yeah, is, yeah. It's it's more the constant thing about like I guess two places, right? Like there's like the initial thing in the Grand Central Tower or whatever, where it's like they have the black woman who's been hired to like you know be there in her first week, and like everyone's just openly talking about like like ah if like they're going to put broads in here and it's like I'm not going to be able to curse no more like that kind of thing and then there's like the ongoing thing of the whether the undercover cop is a man or a woman and like the whole idea that everybody assumes one assumes it's a woman and then assumes that like she won't be able to do anything and like she won't be able to get her gun out of her purse and so on and so forth that got old very quickly and then I felt like was rescued by the by the tag at the end which is when like he goes to the hippie cop there and is like We'll have an ambulance for you soon, miss. Which is like, I, I thought was like legitimately kind of funny that like it just like ends with like, it's like still a woman because it's a long haired man at the end. And like he can't like really see his face. Yeah, but I mean, but I, most of the time it was kind of like, yeah, like this, this, I, I know you're playing this for, for laughs. Like it's, it's being played for like these people are misogynistic and like it's like eye rolling even in 1974. But it's still like I could, you know, it got old very quickly. My read on it was a little different. I didn't think it was like so clearly over the top that this is like played for laughs, like because there's casual things about like even Walter Matthau at one point makes a comment about a dame or something. Yeah, like that. This was like and like, well, for one, obviously, it was an okay thing to joke about. But two, it was just like a thing that like people didn't really think about. Like it was just like, yeah, you know, that's how people talked or whatever. Or, you know, how people in L.A. thought people in New York talked or something like Like there's some weird way you back yourself into it. Um, but it was, you know, those parts were like striking in their casualness, I guess is what I would yeah. say. So um, is is the other elephant uh, the the conversation that he has with the Japanese uh, folks in the beginning. Oh no, I was going to say when he goes say smashing the black guy in the face on the train. That one I thought was fine because I feel like that is played as something that is fairly shocking and everybody like, and the other people in the train are like, kind of like, holy shit. Like when he uses the N word and does that, 
Like it's not it's not viewed as something by the other passengers that it's like, yeah, it's fine. You did that. Like, like, that's a thing that happens. Like, like, I felt like it felt to me like that was put in there. And like, you're clearly supposed to be like, this guy's an asshole, like a major league asshole. Like compared yeah, to I even compared to the others. Two, I was saying basically misogyny and racism. Were, were yeah. my two. Right. Because the, the, the because other, it, was, it was multiple places in multiple parts of the movie. Yeah. Right. The other the other scene that sticks out to me is when Walter Mather goes and meets like the borough commander or whatever, and it's like, oh, I thought you were, and he like like from the sound of your voice, I thought you were, and he's like shorter. Oh, um, and he, I, you know, and he catches even, himself. I'm I'm stupid. I didn't even pick up on that. That like I remember that scene, but I I didn't pick up that that was like what he was saying. But that makes total sense now. Well, it's it stuck out to me because in a movie again with a lot of casual racism in it. Like this was like, Oh, they, there's a black person in a, in a position of authority here. And it, and it's not even commented on. And then they did comment on it. And I was like, damn it. Like you, you just couldn't leave well enough alone. Could right, you? Right. 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 Um, you had to make a comment. Um, again, like it sucks that like, I noted know, that in the scene, but in, in the pile of other shit that felt not quite as, it was definitely overt if I, if I, if I, if I'm being honest, but well, it's, it's it was yeah. like, yeah, this is, this is where we are because it was 90% of the movie. It was the last 10% of the movie. Yeah. I mean, it was, yeah, I think a, a lot of the problems with this movie or it's a movie that was made in 1973, right, probably, right. probably written in 1960 something like, right. you know, it, it's of it's, it's of its time and you have to kind of like take that into consideration when you're watching yeah. oh, I, I, you don't have to but I. that's did. what I wanted to ask you about was that a little we're in such a culture where like anything missaid misspoke or miswritten even from 50 60 70 100 years ago we should we should not watch it I don't think that's true I, th- I mean I think a lot of things now you know like if you look at things that like what Disney and what do I mean? They put warnings up and they say like, just so you know, like there's, there's going some to fucked be, up shit in here. Yeah, right. like I watched Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea and they had like a warning ahead of time that like you know you're gonna hear some stuff. And I was like, really? I remember this movie when I was a kid. And then I watched it. I was like, oh sh- shit, yeah, okay. Um, so that's what I wanted to ask you about, and I, and I didn't know. Um, I mean, I think contextualizing that stuff is important. I think that um, watching it now, th- this is probably stuff that like. I don't know, but like my, my guess would be this is stuff that didn't register nearly as much then as it does now with audiences that like watch and it's like, whoa, like stuff that sticks out like that. No, I don't think anybody even noticed it back then. Yeah, I, it doesn't ruin the movie for me. It's unfortunate that it's there. Um, and, you know, like I don't want to give things a pass because they were made a long time ago, but no. I also do want to, you know, I mean, contextualize things in their time. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it is what it is. I mean, things like that, you know, they become, you know, reasons for instance, like not this movie, obviously, but like things like that become reasons to like not show my kids certain things until, you know, much, much later than I otherwise would have. Right. Um, for stuff like that. Explain exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, you know, yeah, it, it, the, the the funny thing, you know, ironic thing is, and I don't know if you guys feel this way, but like I never s- expected or see it coming, even though like I knew I was putting on a movie from 1974. Um, but same, I, I didn't. 
it surprised me. Like I was like, I didn't see it oh, coming. Yeah. I was like, oh shit. There's like, a lot of misogyny and racism in this movie. And like, I guess yeah. I should have expected that, but I didn't for whatever reason. Same, same. It, it, it pulled me back for a minute and took me a minute to get back into it. Yeah. So I did get back into it. It was, yeah. uh, I, I, I think it's probably the appropriate time to, to like slap some grades on, which is to say, I, I think it was a very good movie. I've enjoyed it every time I've watched it. Every time I've watched it, different lens, especially as society has changed a little bit and definitely got pulled out a couple more times than the first time I saw it in the 80s and then in the 90s and then fucking 20 years later. Um, I still like this movie and I think different than you guys. I was kind of hoping they would get away. I was actually <laughs> hoping, um, is it Mr. Green with the cold? Yeah. I kept hope. I, I kept. I can't I, believe he went home. What the hell, man? <laughs> I thought for yeah. sure, like when he dumped out that money, I'm like, oh, he's in a hotel somewhere. And like they pan back. I was like, he's in this fucking apartment. What a moron. Right. It kind of but, fits yeah. though. Like he, he felt like the most amateur of all of them, right? Like, like the others, oh, like yeah, totally. from what you, like you don't really know anything about Mr. Brown, but again, it still feels you know okay but like the other two were like 50k then though or 500k or whatever he could grab 333 i guess right or something like that that's probably that's a couple million dollars these days you would have thought he'd be in fucking miami by then right like he would have just hightailed it out of there apartment yeah get on a bus or buy a car and get the fuck out of town um i still enjoyed the movie i love new york movies as a whole and i like really enjoy older new york grit i think we don't get to the city i live in without some of the bullshit that went on before it's still a four and a half out of five for me that said caveat more uncomfortable moments for me now than ever before Okay. What about you? But Nish? movie as a whole, four and a half out of five. Um, I I like this movie uh, a a fair amount, but but like it it is you know like like you said it it's it's notable like uh, you know that there were moments where I I don't know that there was a moment that took me by surprise. It was more like repeated stuff of of what kind of what we're talking about the things that really don't fly nowadays. Um. And, and the repeated parts of it kind of took me out of it. It's kind of like you said, Paul, like it's like it doesn't make me like not like the movie, but it was a little unfortunate that there was like so much of it at certain times that it, it kind of like took it over in, in a couple of scenes for me uh, where it was like I would I would prefer to not have to like think about this right now and just like focus on like the plot of the movie. Um, but um, it it is so different. I, in in a lot of ways from like what we're conditioned to expect from a movie you know that's not a heist movie like we said but just this kind of movie where there's you know cops and robbers and the robbers have a plan and so on and so forth um and I enjoyed that because it kept me from really knowing where this was going to go in in a certain way and I like that I like I like the actors in this I I thought they did a really good job I'm a big Robert Shaw fan we didn't talk actually too much about him um but I, I think he's you know he's he's really good in his part i mean I, I think he's good in everything he does um but in this very like you know as this very fastidious like 
everything has to be done according to plan kind of kind of way. Um, I, th- I think he does a great job. Um, so I'm going to give it, uh, I'm going to give it a three and a half and I'm going to admit that this is probably knocked down a half for me because of the stuff that made it a little hard to get through a few scenes. I mean, that, that, that did affect the, my overall rating a little bit. It's, it's, if not for that, I think it's, it's a four. I, I mean, I, I think it's really good. I do want to note really quick before we go to yours, cause we never mentioned them, even though we mentioned some of the other people. Um, that this movie also has Jerry Stiller, uh, in oh, yeah. it as as uh, as uh, oh yeah, we yeah, kind of totally right. blew past Jerry right. Stiller, and it and was, also he was great. Yeah, he was, he was, and very Jerry Stiller. I, I wondered, I saw he was in this, and I wondered, it's like, am I going to recognize him? And then I went to him, it's like, oh, it's totally Jerry Stiller. He sounds like Jerry Stiller. <laughs> yeah. He looks like Jerry Stiller, just younger. Um, and Can't miss him. Someone who I did not recognize as much, but sounded like herself very much, as the mayor's wife who is played by, in a very small role, who's played by Doris Roberts, uh, the mom from Everybody Loves Raymond. Um, huh. And, uh, you know, it was just interesting to see some of these people who you know from a lot of other stuff in these very small or, you know, kind of supporting roles. So I enjoyed that as well. Um, yeah, I, I liked I, I liked this movie. Interesting. This is the movie Robert Shaw made directly before Jaws. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, yeah, I like him too. I... I I didn't know where the movie was going um, while I was watching it, and partially because it was so straightforward. Um, I do wonder what I would think watching this movie again, but I think I probably will end up watching it again, which you know is a certain amount of praise. I, I'm going to give this movie. I'm, I'm dithering a little bit, which I don't like doing, but I'm going to. Eh, what the hell? I'll I'll give this movie a four out of five. Um, mm, you liked it? Yeah, I did. Like it does it it. It moves, um, which I which I appreciate. I like that a lot. Yeah, um, yeah, and um, yeah, it's it's it. I do like. There is a little bit. We didn't talk about it, but there is a little bit of cat and mouse at the end. Um, oh, we did not talk about the scene with the runaway subway um, either, where the people are trying to stop it, which is just kind of ridiculous. Like, the, the, I only bring it up because at the end, like they 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 say, you know, I need green lights all the way to South Ferry. And they rig the subway car to go without anyone operating it somehow. And off it goes. And the, Have either of you been to South Ferry Station, by the way? I mean, not in 15 years. Yeah. I don't, I don't, of, yeah, I don't know if I've ever gotten there. out. I've, I've gone through um, it. But um, so the train, and it's taking off. And then the thing that cracked, cracked me up a few times is, that's going on for a very long time. And then they cut away and other things happen. And then they'll just cut back to the speeding subway. And I'll go, oh, yeah, I forgot the subway was still like racing through the tunnels. And then they cut away for another like six or seven minutes. And then they cut back again, um, which was not real time, which threw no, not right. real time. It threw it did throw me for a loop, though. Every time they they cut back after a long interval. Um, yeah, but no, but, but I, I did like this movie. Um, and. Yeah, I would. I would be. I would be curious to see it again to see what to see what I would think, um, because it's. I think it's the kind of movie where once you can stop worrying about what's going to happen, worrying about, um, and you can start to pick up on other things and uh, pull a lot more out of the movie. I suspect. Mm-hmm. I think if you can get past all the all the shit that that will bother you and just be like, how is this as a film? Yeah, I think I think you you actually end up enjoying it more and more and more. Yeah, the, I, w- the, I would probably the say the film like, was actually quite good. The writing is good. The directing is good. Yeah, the I, acting is 
phenomenal. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, I would definitely say, like, if I watch this another time, I'd probably, you know, it's like I'd, I'd know what I was getting in terms of that, you know, the misogynistic comments and the racism and stuff like that. Um, and so it wouldn't be so much like, oh, like, God, like, you know, or anything like that. It would just be kind of like, yeah, like, I, you know, I can get past this and the kind of like, I know what's happening. Other I know stuff. it's coming. It's fine. Yeah. It's not, it's, it's not that it's fine. Yeah. It's just, no, it's coming. Right. Exactly. I can steal myself for it a little more. There's an interesting through line, I think, from this movie into a movie like Ghostbusters, which is like New York 10 years later. Mm-hmm. Um, That's what I wanted to bring up was um, New York in the 70s was really shitty. New York in the 80s was shitty and dangerous. Yeah, it's 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 marginally like, less shitty, but not that. I mean, it's I don't think it was less shitty. I think it was equally as shitty, but kids were getting kidnapped and shit like, well, yeah. Th- there was a moment until we hit the early nineties where it was like when like Dinkins was mayor, it was like fucking really bad. I don't want to give Giuliani credit. Things <laughs> turned around when Giuliani was the mayor. Uh, yeah. Less said about that, the better I suspect. Right. I mean, I, I agree. Uh, Things did turn around at some point. I'll share Maybe in the post credit rolls, I'll share with you my story about how I hate Giuliani okay. and why. Okay. <laughs> Is it for different reasons than everybody yeah, else? Anyway, it's, it's a very personal reason. All right. Looking forward to um, interaction with Giuliani. I don't like him. Oh, all right. Well, all right. let's then let's hurry up and get to that post show show. Um, let's see. We got any emails, Nish? Um, oh, I got one. I got one. You did. Yeah, go for Dear it. Dear Paul, go fuck yourself. Love Nish. <laughs> yep, that was an fair. email. That was tough, but fair. Yeah, that was an email that we got. Um, let's see. Um, well, no emails Ooh. for Podflix, but my Instacart food delivery was confirmed. Oh. Does that count? Hey, Nish. Did anybody pee the bed? <laughs> yes. I, I I suspect that off screen Martin Balsam peed that bed that all of his uh all of his money was on. Do you think he peed it when the money was there? He might have, yeah. He might have. I hope so. Makes it hard to spend that money. That's how he celebrates. Vacation. I guess that's how you clean the blood off. He had some of those bloody stacks. He did. Yeah, he did. Jesus. I, I, no one will no no one will be seated in the theater during the extended counting of the money scenes that happened in this movie. Yes. I did watch this movie on my um, projector, and it was delightful to watch it in 120 inches. Watch, watching that, watching those elastic bands being put around the money. I, I love I, how they call that elastic bands, and they were yes. actually fucking rubber bands. Fucking, yeah, I, uh, I, I know we're technically done talking about the movie, but we're not really, are we? I, I really enjoyed that whole, like long like section when they're tr- like from when he, he asks for the money to when they get the money that it's like more or less I mean I don't know if it was actually in real time but it felt like it was like pretty close to real time that that hour yeah. like it wasn't because I think the movie wasn't that long but like it was probably like 40 minutes and the wild hour. thing is I mean that means he he, he shut up with a plan that's ex- good for exactly one hour and 18 minutes because if he's going to kill someone once a minute after that, he's got right. 18 minutes right. of time. Right. And then it's like, 
fuck, like we're out of people. Like what, what's where, you know, what are we going to do now? Kind right, of thing. right. Like, exactly. It's like, I guess we just escape without any money in this empty car or something like that. And the but once I, a minute thing is wild because you think like, no man, if I think he had his backup plan, what was his backup plan? Step on the third rail. <laughs> That's always his backup plan. <laughs> That's what he did anyways. <laughs> That's why he was so ready to do it. <laughs> yeah. He kills himself in the 19th minute. Yeah, this exactly. is plan B. <laughs> I said I'd kill someone once a minute. Yeah. 19 minutes. I guess it's me, homie. Yeah. I'm out. Uh, but like once a minute is crazy because it's not enough time to like, like if they kill someone, right, and they're going to kill someone a minute later. Like it's not enough time for the, for the, Anyone to, to react do and do anything actually faster? Right, right? It did not work. They 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 jumped when he hits, when he said jump. No, I know it worked, but like it would have worked just as well if he said like you know I'm going to shoot everybody in an hour or whatever. Like the the once a minute thing is just kind of weird the way right. he parcelled that right. out. One one, we one one every Some like we're... five minutes would have made me made, made right. a little more sense or like ten minutes or something. Like it, it can't be too long because the whole idea at that point was like you have to get get us the money. Right. It's not the like, one it's thing, like I'll give you another 10, like I'll shoot someone, then give you another like 10 minutes or 20 minutes. I, I, I guess there was, I guess there was a one, the cops outsmart the bad guy saying when Walter Matthews is like, well, they don't know where, they can't know where he is. Like, wait, they don't know where he is. He's right. Like, yeah, we're there. We're right, the right, 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 right. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I do want to mention there is one little like, I, I, I'm sure you guys noticed this, but, but maybe you didn't. But I love the little detail of um, when they are at the end of the movie, when um, Walter Matthau and Daniels and whatever they're speeding by in that cop car and they're, they're they're trying to chase the trains before they turn around. They go past where the cop car had crashed on the yeah. way to the station, and there's the thing of the tow truck like getting the like flipping, riding, it, over. flipping yeah. it over right as they go past. I love that little detail where it's like ah, it's awesome. <laughs> I can't believe they didn't clear the route from the from the Federal Reserve to the train station. I know like, the cops had to like really navigate traffic. It, 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 With, without traffic, they could have made it in three minutes. Yeah, totally. I, it, it, it actually bolsters, I think, a lot of like what you were saying, Willie, which is that kind of like it feels like because I don't feel like in other respects, we've said all along that this movie seems like it was made to be quite realistic. And I believe that it probably was fairly realistic for 1973 or 1974 or whatever, which makes it feel like it's like, yeah, like this shit didn't happen enough that they had protocols for what to do yet. Like it was like they were kind of like going on the fly with a lot of this stuff and like people are better at it now because it's happened so much. I think, I think there's a little of like, Oh, they've learned from movies, but I think most of it is that it's like, yeah, this shit happened a bunch. And then they had to like, be like, I guess we need to have hostage negotiators. Like as like a regular thing, I guess right. we need to like have these protocols that go into place. And that's why in like more recent movies, there's all this, like, you know what to do. Like when someone like is, has hostages or when someone's robbing a bank, we do this, this, and this, like we, we cut the power to the bank. We like do that. You know, it's like all these things that are like their set playbook kind of. Right. They, the even way, had, they even I, had I like wanna, the, the they I had the wanna, sniper guy who like who like fired the shot like he got jumpy and fired and then like there's a brief shootout they're like yeah someone fired a shot it's like we'll never know who it was it's like right. you're like how about the sniper with one less bullet right, than everybody else right. it's probably that guy right. I agree. you know one of the things I wanted to point out that I really appreciate about movies that take place in this time frame especially those filmed in this time frame is I I I love the lack of tech. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I, I love the well, I love the, the board is, with the blinky lights yeah. and everything. Oh, it's great! It's, it stopped, but who knows what the fuck is happening? Right. 
I'm, su- I'm right. surprised there's they, no even camera then, down like, there or anything like right. that. Yeah, like nothing on the train. What are they? What are they doing? It's like, are they moving forward? Like, of course, in our minds, we're like, oh yeah, they're probably getting off the train there. Right. Right. But in their minds, they're not even like, they, they, oh, they haven't maybe even they're thought getting of off that. the train. Right. Right. <laughs> they're just like, what are they? What could they possibly be doing? Right. Stop Why would they for... just stop the train? <laughs> like it's yeah. like... Like, I was surprised they, off the train, dum dum. Like, what right. else would they be doing there? I was surprised they even had the tech to know that, like, oh, he's uncoupled one car from the train. Like, that even seemed like more technology than they would have had. Then I, I would assume it was like one train per light kind of a thing, and they don't really know. Um, but they had a pretty good amount of information um, These on that blinky light board. Like the earliest you can get away with is like flip phone technology. Well, I I am curious. Like I like I don't want to watch this fucking remake of this movie, but like I am. <laughs> this this movie is such a movie of its time. Like you know, you mentioned the technology, the stuffing their coats full of money thing. Like, what are they going to do? Like to the point, like my wife and I looked up, like how large denomination bills can you get? Like to do this, um, the answer, by the way, is they've discontinued everything above a hundred dollars a long time ago. Um, so there there are some like weird problems with this movie that. I kind of feel like, I don't know. I feel like the remake of this movie will do a bad job um, getting around. It wasn't or the, good. I watch it. I don't remember anything about it other than thinking like this movie's nowhere near as good as the original. Are, are, are you guys aware that there's another remake of this movie? No. That came out in between. There's a 1998 TV movie version oh, of this. it was a TV movie. Yeah. And it's. I thought there was another kind one. Kind of a fun cast. Edward James Olmos is the is is the Walter Matthau character renamed oh. for some reason. And it should the, be Hector Elizondo. And the lead hijacker. Record. No mustache is, needed. Yeah. The, the lead hijacker is uh, Vincent D'Onofrio. Is, oh. is the Mr. Oh. Is the Mr. Blue character. Richard Schiff. Uh, Toby Toby Ziegler is Mr. Green. Donnie Wahlberg is Mr. Gray. Donnie John? I want to see this movie. I know, yeah. right? I, look, I looked at this. It's like, I would watch this one. This this 1998 yeah. version. The one, the one where I don't have to worry movie. about John Travolta being in it and like the Tony Scott like like headache-inducing direction and like cinematography that, it, that he has half the time. Paul, by the way, uh, we're way off the fucking... We're way off the subway tracks here. I mean, we're still talking about the taking of Pelham 123. We're not too far off. It's not on streaming. No, no, no. I'm taking it right off. I'm taking it from the sixth train to the We're jumping the rails. We're we're electrocuting ourselves. You know, the hosts of um, The Masked Singer or Jenny McCarthy can... There's another uh, another thing we can't go one episode Nicole without talking about. I know, I know, I know where Willie's going with this. And Robert Robin Thicke. Mm-hmm. Now it's not on Apple TV either. Damn it! This season, there's a character named Cluckadoodledoo, who's a masked character that will give you clues that are not that the the, the judges don't see, just to the viewers. Every time you explain this show to me, it becomes more inscrutable. Is that is that like a new thing for this season, or is there always just one character? Just a season, okay. yes. It's just a season. And this week, um, not only did they unveil who won the championship, but also who Cluckadoodle-Doo was. And Cluckadoodle-Doo decided to sing a song before he unmasked himself, and he was fucking amazing. Okay. And it was Donnie Don, Jenny McCarthy's husband. Yeah, which Wait, makes... What? Which makes... It was... Basically, Jenny McCarthy is one of the judges on the show, and this clucky 
doodle do or whatever person <laughs> turned out turned, yeah, turned out to be Donnie Wahlberg, her fucking husband. He sang a song for her. She didn't. She didn't recognize him. whose voice that was, and it was her. Oh, she didn't husband. know it was him. Yeah, she didn't know who it was. <laughs> Which is kind I of imagine, hilarious. Now I imagine like Jenny McCarthy like going to set, and then like Donnie Wahlberg has to sneak out a few minutes later, but like he in would, the costume, yeah. like behind yeah, her. Exactly. Ugh, I don't. Was he? Yeah, no, no. Was was don't he? Don't talk shit. It's a good show. I promise. Was, was he on every episode? Was was he a regular like? No, contestant? it's the only episode he's ever been on. Okay. The thing is, he doesn't have to be on every episode. Like, he, he'd just be doing voiceover later for whatever, like, PA they stick in that suit. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Just, I it's like a Mandalorian a situation. Right. right. It's like, uh, he's not fucking in that suit the whole time. Come on. <laughs> Who knows? But, um, oh, total, we're, we're getting very off the rails. I watched all 10 episodes of Band of Brothers this week. Okay. That that that, that, Donnie, that, that Donnie is in, yeah, sure. Yeah, you have a real hard on for Donnie Wahlberg. I didn't do it on purpose. I watched the World you War seen... Two in color um, Netflix documentary. I'm like, I'll watch Band of Brothers again. I'm getting into this shit. Yeah, he, you you you'd seen it before, right? You were rewatching. A third time I've seen it. It's yeah. so good. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I, lo- I love Band of Brothers. I really like Damian Lewis. He's great. Uh-huh. Yeah, and he's very good in the show. Yeah. Have to- Are we in post? show credits yet oh, i have to tell you about the time i met him we can be i mean i didn't, I mean, this, I didn't this say oh boy, but, thing. But, yeah but that's not a rule or anything it's not it's a rule oh boy 